With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. All right, once again, back with Jeff Lerner. Jeff, this is Side Hustle Fridays. I want to talk about something that you and I both have a lot of expertise in, which is the step-by-step how to set up a social media agency so that first it's kind of like a side hustle, which any individual can do, and then it scales to maybe a multi-million dollar business. Introduce yourself, describe your background a little bit in the space. Sure. So, uh, yeah, my name is Jeff Lerner. I'm currently the founder and CEO of a company called Entra Institute, which teaches new economy business and marketing to, you know, aspiring and developing entrepreneurs. When I say new economy, I, I largely imply digital, computer-based, web-based business models, but it doesn't have to be that. It's just stuff that's relevant in the new worlds, not the old world. And I think most people know what that means in terms of business. I did have a a digital agency from 2013, I guess technically 2012 to 2018. So it was like five or six years. We had thousands of small business clients. We provided a full range of services from, you know, obviously website development, reputation management, social media management, which you're talking about, SEO, you know, map rankings, and I sold that in 2018 and, now, and then started my current business, which teaches people what I think you want to talk about. Well, I know you want to talk about because it it's Side Hustle Fridays, like how to take these opportunities that exist in the world now and use them to create something that has a transformative power in your life, you know, from a professional, you know, income standpoint, but also from a lifestyle standpoint. Yeah. So like in the, in the mid nineties, so it was a completely different universe I had like the first generation, let's say, of these digital services agencies. I was making websites for companies that never had websites before. So AmericanExpress.com didn't exist till I built it. TimeWarner.com didn't exist till I built it and, and on and on and on. And so my guess is I have a lot of understanding of, you know, dealing with customers and managing a project and, and so on. But like, for instance, you know, people come to me and say, well, what's a good thing to learn so I can start making a living during downtime or whatever. And I always say, and I'm just kind of riffing on this. There's a lot of different things, but um, one thing is learn how to, you know, a lot of stores right now have been closed and they would love to go online. So they could go online through Shopify, through Amazon sellers, through Pinterest, through Depop, through Poshmark, through Etsy, through eBay. If you could go to a store and say, hey, we're going to set up a complete shopping experience for your customers for X dollars and then maintain it for Y dollars per month so you could upload new products and stuff like that. And then, you know, then there's SEO, then there's all these other, then, then maybe you can offer, you know, social media, like inst- I'll manage your Instagram account as well. You could start extending services. So let's, let's maybe start with that. Like, do you, A, do you think that's a decent idea for people? Yeah, I really do. And the, here's the reason is you're essentially arbitraging against prejudice. That may sound totally bizarre. Let me explain what I mean. Yeah, that sounds like I'm going to do a protest now. 
Yeah, yeah. No, a different kind of prejudice. Bi bias, maybe. People are, a lot of traditional business owners, people who own brick and mortar businesses, you know, your average business owner in this country is like 55 years old. He's not excited. And I say he, because actually the majority of them are men. I'm not being, you know, uh, whatever. Although I've been advising my three daughters to do this. So yes, go ahead. <laughs> okay. No, well, the service providers, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm just saying, you know, the average business owner is a 55-year-old male who does not want to spend his time on the internet you know, tinkering with the, he has this bias, like it's, it's annoying. It's beneath him. It's, it's for his kids to deal with. And I say that because my agency, I mean, we provided services to 10,000, over 10,000 small businesses in six years. Wow. Um, now, admittedly, I wasn't working with American Express. I wasn't working with Time Warner, but for the kind of person you're talking about, who wants to start a side hustle, they're not going to be working with Time Warner either. Right. That's right. That's why when you told me your initial clients and what you were offering them, I thought that was perfect for, for this. Yeah, it's plumbers, it's roofers, it's, it's HVAC, it's pest control. It's people that, that rely on local business. They rely on the phone to ring and they need to be found online. Um, those people, again, not to, not to be, I mean, as marketers, there's a certain amount of stereotyping that you have to do in order to make decisions. I would say those people in general don't want to do their own digital marketing even though, frankly, they could. Now, do they have time? I don't know. But do they have the ability? Yeah, probably. But do they see themselves doing it? No. So when I talk about arbitraging bias, what you're essentially doing is leveraging their own unwillingness to charge a premium for a service that actually isn't that hard. Right, which is all, which is all service business, really. Like I guess that's true. But I mean, attorneys, like you could argue that actually people can't provide their own legal services. Right. Right. But like an ad agency or, you know, even making a website, anyone could learn to make a website, but I don't want to do it. I'd rather pay someone to do it. Like, what, what was the first service you offered? What did you do to get that first dollar in? Yeah. So when I started, uh, I guess I started my agency in late 2012. Um, I started calling up plumber, you know, that same category, like the home services, uh, kind of locationless businesses, businesses that come to you, you don't go to them. Because a lot of them, you know, there's they, especially that back then, 2012, a lot of them were sitting around going, why isn't my phone ringing like it used to? It's like people are throwing away their Yellow Pages books and I don't know what to do. So I started calling them and go, hey, the fact that you answered my call tells me you're not up to your knees on a job, like standing in a, in a flooded basement fixing a water heater. You're sitting at the office waiting for the phone to ring. Let's change that. So you would call a plumber and they'd pick up, hello? And you would say, hey, this is Jeff Lerner. Listen, hear me out. I'm glad you picked up the phone. To be honest, it means you're probably not working. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I said, I said there's, if there's one thing I can guarantee you doesn't produce revenue in your business, it's being available to answer the phone when I call. Huh. Let's change it, literally. Like I would rather the next time your phone rings, it's a customer, not a solicitor. Okay, so let's say I'm the plumber. I'll say, so, so what should I do, Jeff? Uh, so, well, back then, 2012, there was a lot of education. You know, listen, your, your Yellow Pages ads aren't working. Let's reallocate some of that budget. Let's get you ranking on the Google Maps. Back then, it was called, uh, now it's called Google My Business. Before that, it was Google Places. Back then, I, it was just called Google Maps when I started. And it was really, let's focus on the map. Now, the pitch is different. You know, when I started, it was educating them about the map and getting them established. Now it's probably doing an analysis and saying, 
the reason your phone's not ringing is because you're on the third page. You have two reviews. You have, um, you know, you're not coming up. You're, you're physically located in, you know, let's say in Ventura, California, but you're not even coming up for searches in Ventura. You're definitely not coming up for searches for, you know, whatever that would be, Inland Empire or, you know, I'm getting my geography messed up. But like, you help them understand and start to organize in their mind how the internet works and how it's pulling. It's looking at where customers are and deciding who the relevant service provider is to refer. So there's a certain amount of it that's based on Google's formulas and there's a certain amount of it that's just based on consumer behavior where they're looking at you and going, yeah, two reviews, I can't trust it, next, move on. You know, there's this whole set of problems that I can solve for you that's actually not that hard. Like how would you solve the reviews problem? Solve the reviews problem, it, there's, there's two, two things. One is, you know, we'll install widgets or we might refer you to some software. Uh, like uh, we actually built our own review software at one point, but you know, I would refer them to like a Podium or something, uh, Podium or bird, Bird's Eye, Bird Eye. But a lot of it is, is process. It's actually how they, their business operates because people, generally people only go online to talk about you and they have something bad to say. So you have to actually create a, it's kind of like asking for referrals. You know, it's like the number one way to easily boost your sales in any business is start asking every one of your customers for a referral, right? It's just changing your habits. The number one way to do online reputation management in a business is start asking people to leave positive feedback and creating really, really easy mechanisms for them to do that. And so it, for a lot of clients, it ended up being coaching as much as technology or services. You dealt with tens of thousands of clients. How long would it take you to take a plumber and get him on Google Maps, get the reviews, and he'd start, he would get to the point where he feels like, oh, I made a good decision hiring this guy, Jeff. Um, you know, I would say we, we would always tell people, we wouldn't make them sign contracts because a lot of people have just been burned. Yeah, and there's friction there. There's friction, but we would tell them, pretty emphatically, if you're not prepared to give us at least six months, don't bother. You know, we'd rather have a, a good relationship that we can build over time where we have a fair shake. If you're looking for a 90 day result, you know, A, we're not your guy and B, anybody that says they are is just trying to get your money for 90 days. And they're probably going to be, they're probably gonna have to change their name in six months because all their clients are going to be pissed because they can't produce a result, a predictable result. You might get lucky. So yeah, six months, I would say, um, but eventually, you, you know, it's, the, it's just like the same problem you're trying to solve for them. Once you do it as a service provider enough, you build up testimonials, you build up a good reputation, you get to where you, you can start signing people up for contracts. In fact, here's a, here's a little tip for people. We would actually sign people up for, when, when we did do retainer agreements, we would sign people up for 15-month retainers. Because what we found is, if you get on an annual retainer cycle, then people expect to renew after a year. And then you get to the contract and go, hey, are you going to renew? And they're like, well, I need to think about it. I look at my budget and you end up, the contract ends while they're still making up their mind. But if you have a 15 month retainer cycle, but you go to them in month 11, you talk to them around an annual renewal, but the contract itself doesn't end after a year. You don't lose the momentum of them paying you every month. And they're less likely to switch providers. Oh, that's, that's a, a really interesting tip. Uh, and what would you charge for per month? So I know that was a little bit of, uh, 
you know, askew from our conversation. No, but no, I, no. I was like, that that's a good a tip. I should share tip. it. Yeah, um, I'm thinking of all the different businesses I'm involved in where I should immediately start moving people to 15 months. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, as far as charging, you know, I found for these smaller businesses, you get into some pretty significant price resistance when you get up around, up above four or $500 a month. Now, you gotta, it just depends on the client and understanding what, what good customer flow is worth to them. I mean, if it's a home builder, if it's a, a laser spa that does hair removal, but, you know, where they're getting higher end affluent people in and charging them $4,000 packages to have their bodies zapped, like, you know, th they'll pay you a thousand bucks a month. Um, but your plumbers, your HVAC, you know, I, I can tell you this. Our average subscription was $220 a month. That's interesting. And then would you uh, ever do what's called, what's now called, referred to as drop servicing? So you'd, ha you'd have on all these clients suddenly, you obviously weren't doing it yourself. Would you outsource to like in, in India or cheaper or, or somehow? Yeah. So we did, and granted, um, I'm talking primarily about what I would call local SEO, where we're really trying to drive up their placement on the map. Um, the, the market has evolved, even in the last couple of years, to a stronger emphasis on social signals, authority-based content. I would evolve the model now if I were doing it again. Yeah. So what, what, what does that mean? So what, what, you know, what's authority content? I mean, I can imagine like somebody writes a blog, like here's what, here's the 10 things you need to look for in a plumber or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it. That and, and social profile. Um, you know, I, I just, the market has become sort of more insistent that people have a, a connectable human online presence, for lack of a better way to say it, like an Instagram profile where they can see somebody or connect to somebody, or at least feel like there's a conversation to be had. Like an Instagram account with where you see all the shit in everybody's pipes, like just every pipe he goes to, he takes a picture yeah, of the and, shit. And here's the thing, this is the stuff, again, talk about arbitraging against people's bias. Like people hate this stuff. Business owners, they, they don't like, they don't want to take pictures at their job and po post it to Instagram. And it's like, it feels so unnatural for a lot of them. Now they may post pictures of their kids, but like to actually use it as a business tool, because I think with social media, we're, we're so wired to be consumers and we tend to like not see ourselves as, as content creators. Like if you, if you go to the average person, you're like, Hey, you need to be a content creator in modern business. They're like, nah. That's not me, you know, I'm, because they, they immediately go, well, I'm not some influencer. I'm not some filtered lifestyle guy. You know, I'm not going to go rent a Lamborghini. And people like, you know, they, they haven't actually dug in enough to go, well, what does that really mean? If I, if I own a roofing company and I need to have a social presence and I need to be a content creator, what does that actually mean? What it means is maybe I have one of the guys on my crew take a picture of us smiling, standing in front of the house after every successful job or take a picture of me shaking hands with a satisfied client and, and having a process where we ask the client if they wouldn't mind, uh, you know, we have, let's say a pre-written testimonial blurb, would they mind signing their name to it? Like they just haven't kind of evolved their thinking to this place. And the nice thing about it is for you as, a, as an agency, as a service provider, a lot of the work is actually stuff that the client needs to do. So in a way you're getting paid to just educate them on how to do work for themselves. 
but then they'll, they, it's like they're paying you for work that they're actually going to end up having to do. So what's best practices right now? So let's say you were to start a social media agency today and it seems like there's a couple of different categories. There's kind of these like locationless type people like plumbers. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking before of, of stores that might want to move. I, I, I imagine every store is somewhat online, but probably not online enough given the current economic lockdown. Like it's probably creating opportunities to make them more online. And I would actually add a third, uh, a third category. I would say there are like the locationless service-based businesses where they're very focused on location, you know, like geo-targeted search. You know, I'm, I got a, I need a plumber or I need a locksmith. Let me go on Google and call the first guy that comes up. Like they want to come up in that search, right? So that's category one. Category two would be more of like you say, a brick and mortar business that yeah, most brick and mortar businesses have an online brochure, but they don't have an online, they don't actually have an online store. And that's true to this day. Like I'm a clothing store in Manhattan, like mom and pop clothing store. I still don't have a Shopify or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And so there's a, especially now with, with COVID, you know, but, but irrelevant of COVID, there's a massive opportunity to help brick and mortar businesses take their transactions online, not just their, you know, their presence. Right. Um, and, and that's, that's big, you know, that because you're tapping into, you know, payment gateways and you're tapping into more work processes and you're essentially giving them an opportunity to earn money at better margins than what they get in store that's more of a premium service um, and it's more, it's more complex too. Uh, but then the third is what I would call more of like an inbound marketing type client. And these are great because they pay, you know, they can be really lucrative retainers. This would be like your attorneys, your chiropractors, your therapists, um, your, your, you know, plastic surgeons, people, pe- people where, people are going online and they really want to do research and they really want to get to know the business before they even make the call. Hmm. Because when they do make the call, it could be a $5,000 customer. So you go to a dentist and you say, Hey, you know, I notice you're not really, you're hard, kind of hard to find online. I could help with that. If if you have have no authority, like I see your website, but you don't actually tell me there's nothing for me to, to get to invest or, or to build the trust that you're the best dentist. You're the one that's going to take the best care of me. So maybe you need to create like, you know, an, a, a virtual tour of your office. Maybe, I mean, probably not a white paper. That's more like the B2B, uh, you know, standard. But like you need to do some stuff that makes me feel like I trust you. Probably go hard into social. You know, lots of people with perfect smiles saying I love my dentist. Cause then it's not like getting, they don't need to get like 2 million followers. They just need to get, you know, their customers sharing their profile to their friends. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And, and really they just, they just need to get a willingness from their customers to be a part of their content so that their social profile becomes a, a giant base, you know, giant sort of potpourri of testimonials. Right. So let's say, uh, let's, let's play with the dentist example. So you go to them, you see, okay, they have a website that's like a brochure. Oh, here's my bio. Uh, here's maybe one quote. Here's a phone number and my hours. Uh, here's the list of services I offer. And you would say to them, look, you should have an Instagram account. Maybe play around with some TikTok videos. I don't know. Maybe uh, put some stuff up on Pinterest. 
be a part of local Facebook groups that you probably don't even know exist, but you know, mm-hmm. there's probably plenty of service providers in some of these Facebook groups. Uh, what, what else would you? YouTube, for sure. YouTube, I'm going to come into your office. I'm going to make you into a rock star dental authority and educator and service provider. Look, everybody knows that a dentist is going to do stuff with your teeth, but what value, I mean, the value, the concept of value exchange, a lot of people think of that as like a very online business platform. Like, oh, he's, he gives massive value. So I have massive reciprocity. It's true for offline service providers too. If I was a dentist and I wanted to dominate my market, I would start a YouTube channel and I would start educating people about dentistry. I would have you know, a decent basic professional setup with like not terrible lighting and a, you know, maybe a DSLR camera, something a little nicer than a, although actually, frankly, as long as it's a a phone manufactured in the last two years, the quality is probably, although frankly, as a, as a, as a small practical matter, but one that really does matter. uh, When you film with phone cameras, they do something called flattening where there's actually no depth of field like the, the background and the foreground look the same and it makes things look kind of awkward. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I'd probably get a little decent camera. And if I was a service provider going into a dentist saying, listen, man, you know, you're never going to stand out from the hundred other dentists in your, or the, the, the four other dentists in your local area, unless people connect with you, how can they connect with you? Let's get you a YouTube channel. I'll come in. We'll film a series of six training videos where you can educate people like, hey, this is what can happen if you don't floss every day. This is what it looks like when we do, you know, you know, throw on a new set of veneers. Look at, you know, this, I don't know, man, whatever you would teach them about, you just got to create that vision for them and they could crush, man. The, the, the difference between, if you do this stuff and you do it right, let's say as a dentist, it's the difference between making $80,000 a year and making a million dollars a year. Really? That, that much? So, so, and- by the way, that's probably the biggest selling point to the dentist. Like we're going to 10 X your, your yeah, revenues. Yeah. Um, but okay. So I love the YouTube ideas and that's something where they start off. They put it on, you know, check out our YouTube. They put it on their website. Yeah. Uh, but if it's good, people will again, share it with, Hey, you need a dentist. Check out the, my guy's videos or check out my guy's Instagrams or do, do you, is there anything else? Like do you write some content blogs or yeah, I think, I think blog, blogs are really good, but I mean, video, video is a superpower now. Yeah. You know, I mean, a blog's great, but if you can have a blog article that's like, you know, everything you need to know about, you know, whatever, basic dental hygiene, check out my YouTube channel for more in-depth discussion. And then here, here's, here's another idea. They can have, um, well, they can do Q and A's of course on YouTube. So they can, they can keep track of all the questions patients ask during the week and have like a weekly Q and A and then maybe even a newsletter with that. And then, um, potentially they could even write a book like the, you know, like a 20 page book that they upload to Amazon, but it looks like on their website, they say, Hey, you could check out my book, 10 professional secrets, all dentists know, or something like that. Yeah. And the reality, I mean, yes, exactly. And the fact, the the reality is nobody's dental hygiene is going to change from downloading a book, but the simple fact that you have a book yeah. Is going to is going to establish you in people's minds as the premier dentist in your market. And so is there anything is there anything else like what am I is there any other thing that I'm missing here? I actually think you could offer a client, let's say you have a client come in who says, "Well, you know, Mr. Altucher, I 
I really want new veneers, but you know, how much is that going to cost? And do you have financing? And they're asking questions. We're like, okay, money's a challenge for this person. Listen, let me, let's work something out here. What if you come in, I'll do your veneers for 50, 50% off, but I want to be able to film it and use it to create content, to educate people about the process. Ah, that's genius. Yeah. And I mean, now you're getting their permission, obviously they sign releases or whatever to like have a camera basically in their mouth, you know, who wouldn't watch that on YouTube? I mean, people watch pimples being popped. Who wouldn't watch root canals? And now would you also offer advertising services? So, Hey, let's make some Facebook ads and target your area and hundred percent. Would you use Facebook or what would be the, what would be the best bang for your buck? I would use Facebook ads. And the key with Facebook ads is, and this is a little different where, you know, so for the location based service businesses, plumbers, roofers, uh, HVAC, it's, and so on, they're really focused on a local SEO strategy. They want to come up organically in geo-targeted searches. Your higher end, you know, essentially business types that have a higher customer value, dentists, chiropractor, spa, uh, attorneys, they, they do really well with Facebook ads because it basically they have to get enough money from one customer that it supports advertising to a hundred customers when they only get one. How, how would you target that? Uh, just location targeting, you know, obviously depends on, I mean, if you're, uh, you know, if you're a laser spa, you know, I would expect, I would run separate campaigns between men and women. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to assume that on, that would only be women. I mean, I'm, I'm having, my facial hair lasered right now because I'm sick of shaving. So like, don't That's assume it's only- I don't like shaving either. Oh, dude, it's such a waste of time. And think how many hours we do it. <laughs> like, like I'm never going to have a beard or a mustache and I hate shaving. So, so yeah, I mean, you just, um, you know, figure out, you run campaigns and that's, that's where your expertise is like, listen, I'm going to help you. We can turn Facebook into a lead generation machine. We can kill two birds with one stone where you're not only going to be getting inbound leads, but you're going to be creating, establishing authority along the way. Cause we'll set up an ad that goes to a consultation, for, you know, application or a request for a call. But when they do that, we're also going to give them a free book or maybe connect them to a free video series that establishes you as authority where they go, man, I just wanted to call a dentist, but now I've got, this guy wrote a book and this guy's got a YouTube channel, man, I can, you know, this guy's really the guy. And then when they do call, they're already pre-sold. Do you need a copywriter for the landing page? So the you click on the Facebook pay ad, it goes to a landing page. Do you need to work, care about copy or you just have your giveaways? Well, I appreciate the setup. If you were to go through Entre Institute's uh, Agency Millionaire Accelerator course, you wouldn't need any of that stuff because we give you all the templates, we give you all the highest converting pages, we give you all the ad templates, et cetera. It was not intended as a setup, but I'm, I'm happy that you <laughs> offer those services. That's where the rubber meets the road to being good at your trade or not is do you know how to actually deliver services that work? But let's, let's assume you don't go through Entra. And, and he, honestly, even if you did, I would still to some degree recommend this. Go find your first client and be really honest with them that you're a new agency service provider and you'll work with them either for free or ideally I'd like to get some money, like say, listen, I'll work for you at cost. You know, all you'll have, for example, all you have to pay for are the ads. I won't charge you a management fee. All you have to pay for is the website and the host, or, you know, maybe all you have to pay for is the ClickFunnels account. I won't charge you to actually build out the funnel or whatever it is. 
get them to put some skin in the game so they value the service uh, and cut your teeth, you know? Define ClickFunnel. Uh, ClickFunnels is a platform that, <laughs> it's funny, man. I started in 2008 online. You, you were way before me. So you, we both know what it took to build websites. Um, and, and ClickFunnels is one of several platforms. I mean, depending on what you're trying to sell, there's, there's Kajabi, there's Kartra, there's lead pages, there's uh, even WordPress to some degree, although that can still be pretty clunky and, and complicated. There's just these, these platforms that make building websites and, and building sales funnels, which is kind of a variation on websites, uh, so much easier. You know, it's just drag and drop, right? Where you don't have to have technical skills. And ClickFunnels is a very good example of one of those platforms. Okay, so these are good for all the service providers, like either locationless or location-based, like attorneys or plumbers or whatever. What about, what do you think of the, the store idea? Like going to the clothing store and saying, hey, I noticed you have your store online and your hours, but you could probably quadruple your revenues if you do this, 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 this. What would be best practices here? Again, there's two aspects to it. There's a technical aspect and there's a marketing aspect. So the first thing you're going to say to them is, listen, we have to create the ability for people to buy product from you online, assuming that's, that's what you want to do. And, and even in restaurants, you know, and depending on what type of business it is, there's different platforms that lend themselves better. You know, there's, there's a whole group of software platforms that are dedicated to helping restaurants sell online, right? Um, n never mind, like, like Grubhub, for example, would be what I would consider a marketing platform where it's helping you acquire customers. But just from a technical standpoint, it's just like you got to be able to build menus and say, I want extra cheese sauce or hold the pepperoni or, you know, and you don't want to build that stuff from scratch. Right. Um, so that's part of it. And then the second part of it is the actual marketing. Like you said, you mentioned Pinterest, um, you mentioned Etsy, you mentioned these marketplaces. And as far as, I think your question was like, how do you go in and, and, have these conversations and turn this yeah. into business. Um, you know, well, it's frankly got a lot easier with COVID. You know, you just go in and, and essentially a house business conversation that's already right. got a, you know, a, a predetermined answer. Yeah, it turns into the, the conversation you want to have. But again, it's, you know, they're looking at the same things that you are when you go online to shop or you, you know, go offline to shop. It's like, who is this person? Are they credible? Do they have case studies or testimonials? Do they demonstrate competence? Are they well-dressed? Like, do they sound authoritative? You know, you just go in and have it. I don't want to, I don't want to be flipping about my answer, but like you kind of, you do it a hundred times. That's the other thing too, is there's no, there's no formula I could give to say, go in, say this, you'll close the deal. But I could say, go in, say this to a hundred businesses, you'll close a deal. And the guy who's great, he might close seven deals. And the guy who's only so-so might only close four deals. And the guy who can barely form a sentence might close one deal. But the, it's still a numbers game, right? So, okay, so you're going you're gonna to go in there. You'll, you'll set up their, you know, shopping slash transaction site. You'll set them up in as many marketplaces and social media places as possible. Will you do, uh, will you also offer Facebook ads and, and SEO, Google SEO? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think the biggest, the biggest thing that I see drive success in the agency business is 
man, the business owners, it's like, they're like parents. Only people who have kids know to ask other parents about their kids. Hmm. Business owners are like parents, only their kid is their business and nobody ever asks them how their kid's doing. So like when you actually get them talking about their business and what their challenges are and, and like they get so excited. And so the agency owners that I've seen do really, really well are the ones where I've really coached them on just how to go and have really engaging, genuine interest type conversations that are consultative in nature. And, you know, so you don't go in and say, listen, this is, this is how we need to do this. You need to, we're going to take you online, then we're going to run Facebook ads, then we're going to do, you know, then we're going to, you know, create a reputation management process for you to start getting more good reviews. And then we're going to, and then we're going to, and then we're going to, because it doesn't sound like you've actually listened or diagnosed anything. Mm -hmm. You know, a, a good buddy of mine always says, a prescription without a diagnosis is malpractice. <laughs> so go, you know, diagnose, consult, right? Let them tell you all their frustrations. It's very, very rare that you'll go talk to a business in the modern economy that won't, that doesn't have major frustrations and major problems. It's like very rare. So nine out of 10 conversations you'll find out what the sweet spots are, what the traction points are that you can, you can ask more questions about if you just let them talk. Let, let's say one of their problems is, oh, if you, uh, we sell shoes, but if you search for shoes in New York City, uh, Nike, Adidas, you know, all the other shoe stores come up before us. And we're kind of like a mom and pop, you know, indie shoe store. And, and the word shoes is just too expensive for us to buy on Google SEO. Like what's kind of a best practices on SEO for, for helping people like that? Narrow the, the location, say, listen, don't go, go try to compete on the keyword New York city. Like that's, that's a fool's errand. And frankly, you're not just competing with other local shoe stores. If you go after New York City, you're also competing with Amazon. You're competing with all the online platforms. You know, what, uh, if you're in, what are, you're, you're from New York, you know all the little, the little nooks and crannies, but I mean like the meatpacking district or Washington Heights or. Are there, are there words correlated with shoes that if someone is likely to search shoes, they're also likely to search this other odd little word. Are there like tools to figure that out? Oh yeah, yeah. So you would use, you know, there's a couple different approaches. There's search marketing where it's like when people somebody goes on Google, you want to come up in the in the search where or the the search engine results page, this what they call the SERP. And then there's social. So like in a Facebook group and and there's, you know, different different modalities where you kind of want to help them come up. So in search, you would say uh, you know, you can use certain types of keywords. There's like broad match, there's uh, negative match where it's like exclude. If somebody uses the word free in the search, you don't want to come up for that person. Uh, mm -hmm. If somebody uses the word coupons, you don't want to come up in the search. So a uh, broad match, phrase match, exact match, you, you know, that's, that's kind of how you angle for search. Um, and geotargeting it, usually most businesses, it's going to come down to good geo-targeting, targeting the right size area that you actually have the resources to compete in. Hmm. Um, you know, if you, even, even Brooklyn, for example, it's probably way too, too big. And shoes, 
Yeah, shoes is a good, I mean, that's, you know, I personally will probably wouldn't go after shoe stores. Mm-hmm. It's a low, it's a low transaction value. You know that they're going to get likely price compared online, or it's something I think a lot of people experientially just are used to buying shoes at a mall. So what would you go for? Like a watch store or a glasses store or luxury women's wear? I, I, I mean, personally, having, having taught thousands of people how to create agencies and having built a really big one myself, I have identified two specific avatars of business that I want to go after. One is the locationless service businesses that are infinitely willing to pay you a few hundred dollars a month if they think it's helping them come up in more relevant searches because they live and die by the phone calls. You know, if they're not showing up in searches and it's not making the phone ring, they go out of business in 60 days. Right. And, and you give them, look, two, $300 a month subscription service. I'll be checking all your directory listings, you know, like the, the city search and the Manta and the hot frog and the, the yellowpages.com and yellow book and all those, all those sort of ancillary directories that make up the cloud of, of business location data that feeds back into, into the Google algorithm. We'll manage all that for you. There's hundreds of them, right? So you tell a business, look, if you want to come up in more searches, you got you to gotta get a handle on how your business data appears across hundreds of directories. Immediately, they want nothing to do with that, right? For obvious reasons. So you go, well, we can handle that for you for a few hundred bucks a month. And it's going to drive you up in the rankings. And then from there, it becomes about social and reputation management. We can add that into the mix, but let's get your foundation in place. That's an easy two, $300 a month sale that'll stick with you for years as long as you can provide them reports showing that you've done the basic work. And how many clients like that do you think you, one person can handle before they have to start kind of hiring or outsourcing? Well, I mean, before they can start out, I had, at one point I had 2,500 of them active at once. Hmm. Um, yourself personally? No, I mean, I had a, oh. I had a team. But in, on the fulfillment side, we, I think we actually only had four people fulfilling that many businesses. So realistically, one person could provide that service to let's say three to 500 businesses because most of it's automated. There's tools that you can use to uh, essentially inject that location data into all these platforms. There's a big one based out of New York called Yext. Ah. You go sign up as an enterprise user of Yext and you're essentially reselling services. I mean, I don't have the agency anymore, so I don't have to worry about offending any of my clients. You know, we were charging an average of 220 to $240 a month for the service. The, our actual hard cost to fulfill it was 14 bucks per month. So uh, it was great margin. Right. And, uh, but anyway, so that's one. And I said, there's two. It's avatar one is the home service provider person that depends on local search results. Avatar two is the high ticket service provider um, who, you know, is the attorney, the, the chiropractor, the spa. Those are the ones, I mean, the ones I talk about because I mean, like personal injury attorneys, what's a new customer worth to them? Right. And, and, and so that's just a great type to go after where you can do a little more high touch, high touch service because they're worth it. You know, they, they, there's so much value in it for, in, for them, the service you can provide. I actually, I never wanted to get into e-commerce. I never want, now maybe if I was doing it now, I would be more open to helping businesses go online, but you get so involved and, and James, I apologize. Maybe you don't want me to steer people no, no, away no, from this. No, 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 this is great. Perfect. But personally, I don't like really complicated engagements where 
you can start getting blamed for a lot of problems. Like what if you do something with our website and the next day a credit card declines in their store? And they're calling you going, what'd you do to my point of sale system? What'd you do to my merchant account? And you're like, I didn't do anything to your merchant account. I just API'd it in with Shopify, but that doesn't change anything. And they're like, well, I've got a lady here who can't swipe her card and, and it worked yesterday and it doesn't work today. So you must've done something. It's like business owner, they don't know. Your service is based on plugging an ignorance gap for them, which means unfortunately, when something goes wrong, they're operating from that ignorance gap. And as the marketing company, it's always your fault. So it's almost like you want to focus on introductions more than functionality. Yeah. Yeah. Stay. Yeah. The more you can stay out of the operations of their business, the only place where I ever got involved in the operations of the business was helping them acquire more positive reviews. Yeah. So, so, okay. Uh, so what was this? What was the second avatar? higher, higher value service providers of typically what we would, you know, professional type services. And then, okay. So what, let's say someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, all this sounds great. How do I get started? What are like the basic skill sets or sites that they need to be aware of? Um, you know, you definitely need to, and actually I didn't answer, finish answering your earlier question about, about are there tools for that? Um, SEO Moz, SEM Rush, uh, SEM, search engine marketing, SEM rush, for example. I mean, there's, there are tools that'll help you with all the keyword analysis and geo targeting and all that stuff. Uh, Neil Patel has a great platform called Uber suggest. That's mm. a good keyword tool. Um, as far as, so that's one set of sites is like the basic tools, uh, tools of the trade. Um, the syndication engines that push location data out. So Yext is the big one that we used. Um, there's another tool called White Spark. Uh, there's some others. And then, um, you know, press really, you know, nowadays, Google has really started to value and emphasize, you know, verifiable authority. It's the, the equivalent of having a blue check mark on Instagram, right? Like things they can trust. And press releases have a high credibility factor. So understanding the press release services. Um, and there's actually plugins you can install on websites that can push press releases out to, to news outlets now. Um, understanding those, I would understand the basic e-commerce platforms, like you mentioned, Shopify. I would understand, uh, Shopify, honestly, Shopify is enough. Like mm -hmm. we could give them five, but just learn that one, you're good. Um, the basic marketing platforms, like you said, again, depending on the type of business, um, probably the best, the best advice. I mean, it's a big world. It's a big landscape that I'm, you know, as I'm describing it, I'm like right. struggling to consolidate and say, here's three things to focus on. So what I would say is in general, as a digital agency service provider, the more you can narrow in on a specific niche and a specific type of business, and you can present yourself as the expert. Like I have a good buddy of mine who, you know, it's him and his wife working from home. They have two virtual assistants in the Philippines they probably each work 20 hours for like three or $4 an hour. So that's their entire overhead is like, whatever that is, let's say a thousand dollars a month in virtual assistance. And they have an agency that, you know, clips at a hundred grand a month. Wow. And all they do are personal injury attorneys. That's interesting. So you could pick because you could then just, you have this, it's almost like a template where you could do the same totally. practices. Yeah. He never has to create a bunch of new stuff. 
He just takes what he did for a personal injury attorney in Birmingham and he signs one up in Tallahassee and he signs one up in, you know, Poughkeepsie and he, and he just rinse, wash, repeat, right? Yeah. And so how many, I mean, is there, is there enough space now? Are there too many agencies or is there room you think to start? No, there's, there's 30 million small and mid-sized businesses in the United States. 600,000 businesses a year close down and almost a million new ones pop up every year. Hmm. You, you will never, I mean, think about this. My agency, we were big. I had 50 employees and we service between websites and the directory services. We had about 4,000 clients at any one time on, on a subscription. Over the life of, over our six year history, we serviced we did fulfillment for some other agencies too. So all told, we touched over 30,000 businesses and nobody's ever heard of us. Hmm. Like we didn't even scratch the surface. We could have been 10 times as big. Would you and frankly, I could have make, made a great living being one-tenth the size hmm. and just not had an office and 50 employees. In fact, I've actually crunched the numbers uh, you know, in hindsight and realized I got too big and I cost myself a lot of money. I would have been, I mean, my buddy who makes, you know, has a one close to one and a half million dollar a year agency. That's him and his wife and two VAs. He makes way more money than I did with a $6 million a year agency and 50 people. Hmm. Wow. So, uh, all right, well, what would be the very first step if what someone wanted to start? I mean, that is the question, right? First of all, I'll tell people what they shouldn't do, which is get paralyzed by analytical insecurity where you go, well, I don't know enough. I need to crash course for six months and become an expert. The reality is the more you know going into these conversations beyond a certain basic competence. And when I say competence, I mean competence at communicating about this stuff effectively. I don't necessarily mean at being a technician. The skill you need is to be able to talk to business owners in a way that simplifies the conversation and makes it palatable for them because most of them just really wish the world would go back to like yellow pages. Hmm. Um, that's, that's my experience. So it's, it's, enough, it's enough familiarity that you can go in and talk the talk without being too technical. That's the art, right? What you shouldn't do is think that you have to go learn everything there is to know. You know, pick one type of client, understand what their struggle is so that you can go in, ask the right questions to get them talking in the direction that makes the sale easy. You know, go in and say something like, so how do you track where your customers are coming from? Nine out of 10 business owners don't have an answer for that. They, they like, well, we don't. And, and so, so how do you know what, what's working? You know, you're spending, you have a marketing budget. What's your marketing budget? And by the way, when you say, what's your marketing budget, you're asking the exact question that tells you what you can charge for your services. But by framing it in that context, you're asking in a way where they don't realize what, why you're asking, right? right? So you say, well, you're not tracking. Okay, well, what's your marketing budget? Oh, $4,000 a month. Okay, cool. So so you're spending four grand a month on marketing, but you're not tracking where your customers come from. How do you know where they're coming from? How do you know that three out of that $4,000 isn't just being totally wasted? This isn't 1950. Right. You know, in the 1950s, they said only half of advertising works, but you don't know which half, so you do it all. We don't live in that world anymore. You know, 
unfortunately you kind of are because you're not tracking, you don't have data, but we could, let's fix that. How'd you like to, how'd you like to cut your marketing budget from 4,000 to 2,000 focusing on only the 50% that works and then we could add back 1,000 to 3,000. Now your marketing is actually working 50% better while you're spending 25% less, mm-hmm. right? Okay, now, cool. Uh, you're selling can, me. I don't even know what to sell and you're, I'm, I'm ready to hire you. Exactly. And I haven't mentioned any service. I haven't mentioned any platform. I haven't mentioned anything that demonstrates that I even know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, but keeping it focused on what's important to them, it, it, that's an example of how you don't want to get bogged down. And like, if you start going in, you're like, listen, I did a full report and, and you want to maybe show them like, Hey, I ran a report and this is your keyword analysis. And, you know, we'll talk about that later, but just know that obviously, you know, we've done our homework here for you, but tell me, how are you tracking where your customers are coming from? You know what I mean? So you kind of, you refer to the nerdy stuff, but you don't like get mired in it. Right. And then as far as the first thing that you would do is I would, you know, I would go find one client that'll, that'll work for you or, or that you can work for, for any amount of money. Right. Literally you go into a client and you're like, listen, Facebook ads management. If you decide that's a thing you want to focus on and don't try to be an expert at all things, pick like you can get rich doing Facebook ads. You can get rich doing social media content creation and scheduling. You can get rich, uh, you know, doing e-commerce, uh, you know, implementations. You can get risk rich, doing, um, you know, helping people build out their YouTube channels. Like you just pick one thing and you can get rich doing it. It's not about having to be an expert at, at the whole gamut. Um, and you go in and you basically say, listen, normally to consult on building out a YouTube ad channel to create higher quality lead generation, I would charge $5,000 a month. But I literally just switched careers. This is a new thing that I'm doing. My mentor. And, and your mentor can be some, you know, a guy, it could be some guy whose YouTube channel you learn from, right? My mentor, he make, you know, he, he charge, he doesn't charge anybody less than $10,000 a month to do this. I'm willing to do it for you for literally 500 bucks a month because I'm just trying to establish my business and I need some good case studies. The only thing I ask in exchange for, if I do this for you for $500 a month is that after three months, when you get a phenomenal result, you will record me a killer video testimonial. Fair? I say, okay, yeah, great, let's do it. That's step one is just go get a client, do whatever you gotta do. Go, you know, get your brother to pay you, call up your old buddy from high school, just get one client that you can produce a result for that will say something nice about you and the next hundred clients become orders of magnitude easier to sell. I, I love this because it, it really is how I started my uh, agency way back when we got one obscure diamond dealer uh, who needed a website. And then boom, we were one of the few people in New York City who had ever done for money a website. And so <laughs> everything took off from there. So uh, uh, do you charge a special upfront fee first to get them started? And then maintenance after that? Or is this just a uh, I mean, monthly? Eventually you'll want to use that model. I, I like setup fees, you know, I like setup fees because A, I like money. B, I like giving value and waiving a setup fee is a great way to give value that doesn't cost you anything. I see, interesting. So you always, so I think you want your menu, and, and by the way, a lot of big companies do this. I mean, if you go you know, board your company onto Salesforce, you board your company onto Infusionsoft, you board your company onto HubSpot, a lot of these big 
you know, SaaS companies. The first, when you start pushing, the first thing they say is, you know what? Listen, man, let me go. Hold on. Let me go talk to. Yeah, I came back. I got the okay. Listen, I'm going to waive that setup fee for you. That's good. I like and you that. feel so good. You're like, I just saved five grand, but they, they already had permit. They already know that 50% of the time they're not going to charge it. So, so Jeff, this is perfect. I'm going to actually force all five of my children to listen to this. And, uh, uh, this is absolutely perfect. I wish actually I had listened to this before I started my own agency. I made so many mistakes along the way. How, well, here's a quick question. How often do you touch base with the customer? I found, and it, you know, the nice thing is we had a subscription based agency and we ran it for six years. And especially because I, after a few years in, I started to know I wanted to sell the agency at some point. And, you know, you want to sell a subscription business, the number yeah. one metric is churn, right? So I started testing to improve churn, you know, the rate at which customers fall off the subscriptions. So I actually have uh, a pretty good answer to that question because I split test touching base every 90 days, touching base every 30 days, and touching base every week. What I found is sending people some kind of an open-ended report every month, meaning, hey, Mr. Customer, here's your analytics report. You can see all the work that we did. You know, log in, check it out, or, or you know, print it out, check it out. Let me know if you have any questions. As always, I'm here to answer any questions, but also I know you're busy. Do that once a month, but also every 90 days, say, listen, it's time for our 90-day review. I want to take 30 minutes. I know you're busy, but I think it's important for your business. We're vested in your success. Let's get on the phone, go over the results of the last three months, see how we can improve your, your results or see, make sure we're targeting the right goals for you in the next quarter. That was the, the cadence that I found helped turn the most. It was a report every month with an invitation to talk to them, but not a requirement, and then pushing for a call every 90 days. Excellent. Well, well, Jeff, this has been 10,000 times more than I would even have hopes for. Like this really is the, the toolkit. Uh, you know, it's, it sounds like you have a lot more tools at your, the Entra Institute or how do people find you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. Um, first of all, I have a, a free, a free book, which by the way, as a, as a marketer, uh, come up with something free that you can give people. And also Go to, if you're an agency, go to every business that you deal with. And one of the things you're going to help them do is create a free giveaway that they can use to build their list. A lot of them aren't using their in-store, their, their, whether it's online or offline, there's transactions. They're not using that to effectively build a list and then actually market to the list. So there's a massive opportunity and I don't want to take us down another rabbit hole, but there's a massive opportunity in helping businesses build lists and properly monetize their lists because we all know that the best customers are the ones you don't have to reacquire. You know, that's interesting. Like I've done an episode on newsletters, but I think you're, it's almost a separate category, list building. And maybe we could oh. do another episode on that because that's, that's extremely valuable. I know the most valuable thing I've ever done financially was building a list for myself. So that, that's a, very important. But like, Jeff, how can people... Yeah, yeah. So I didn't mean to... I want to finish answering the question. I got off track with my free giveaway. But yeah, if people go to millionairesecrets.com forward slash James A. We okay, set up I got a my special very, page. I write my own, very own page. Yeah, James has his own page. 
We set up a special page. You can download a free copy of this book, The Millionaire Shortcut. It's the fastest way to become a millionaire in the new digital economy, um, which I'm going to put a little addendum in the book that's like, also listen to James's podcast because it's awesome. Um, and you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can listen to my Millionaire Secrets podcast. And that's a great place to start. I mean, people can come go deeper with me and they can join Entra and they can hire, you know, hire our coaches and all that. But I'd rather people start by just getting to know us and uh, millionairesecrets.com forward slash James A is the spot for that. Jeff, thank you so much. I really think this is, look, this is how I got my entrepreneurial start is starting an agency. This was kind of like a, a, a 30 or a 25 year update for me, <laughs> like 25 years later, what it, what it looks like. It's not really that much different. It's just the technology is different, but like the, the approaches are, are similar essentially. And, uh, I really appreciate you sharing. I know a lot of this knowledge you, you charge for. So I really appreciate you, you sharing this and, uh, look, I hope people go to millionairesecrets.com slash James a and, and learn more. And thank you once again. Thanks everyone. Thanks James. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary.